I couldn't come up with one title, uh, but I have five titles for this sermon. Five titles. I didn't do real well in my preaching class, but I'm going to try to do good this morning. So uh, this, this, this message could be titled, The Portal to Progress and Promotion, The Entrance that Leads to Expansion, The Gate that Leads to Growth, The Door that Leads to Destiny, or The Threshold that Leads to Transformation and Transition. So you pick, take your pick. But that's what the focus will be on after I read the chapter. So I'm going to go ahead and start now. It's Acts chapter 10. I'm just going to read the chapter before I go crazy. Is that okay? Um, now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion, of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man, one who feared God with all of his household, and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw in a vision an angel of God who had come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. In fact, Melissa, would you mind reading this? Not at all. Can you, can now, you start with, can you start with verse five? Sure. And just read, yeah, read the whole chapter. Okay. Now, dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were in his personal attendance. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. But he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance and he saw the sky opened up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. A voice came to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. This happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Now, while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold, the man who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. And calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was reflecting on the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. 
Peter went down to the men and said, behold, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. And on the next day, he got up and went away with them. And some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. On the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter raised him up saying, stand up. I too am just a man. As he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without misgiving or even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I ask, for what reason have you sent for me? Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour and behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your alms have been remembered before, the, before God. Therefore, send to Joppa and invite Simon, who was also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here, present before God, to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all these things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God. That is to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly testify that this is the one who has been appointed God by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. And the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing him speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to stay on for a few days. Thank you. You're welcome. That's the word. 
That's the word of the Lord, you guys. Amen. Amen. There's power in the word of the Lord. I want to focus uh, when I get there um, on verses 24 through 27. Um, that'll be the central focus. But Acts, Acts, Acts is an interesting book. Acts is the, it's the chronological exposition of what it looked like for people to operate without God in the flesh with them. And so we need to give them some leeway because this was all brand new. They had been used to God speaking to them to their senses. And now God was living inside of them, speaking to them through their spirit. And that sounds great. Aren't you glad we have the indwelling presence of God that lives inside of all of us? But to hear the voice of God speaking within us, we have to learn to discern the other voices that speak within us. The voice of memories, the voice of tradition, the voice of upbringing, the voice of pain. Come on, the voice of religion. There's so many voices, the voice of culture, the voice of society. And then we have this still small voice that won't compete with any other voice. And he's the voice that's trying to lead all of us into becoming more and more like Jesus. Amen. And so I, I just, I just want to, I want, I want to point out that this is, this is, this, this chapter is fascinating to me because if you look at the overview, you have visions, you have dreams, you have trances, you have sheets, you have angels. It's like, holy smokes, it's all in one story. And all these things from the unseen realm are breaking into the seen realm. And in that, we get this narrative that develops between Cornelius and Peter. And I want to just start off by telling you that Cornelius was a man of means. He was a centurion. He had at least 100 soldiers. He had servants. He had wealth. He had a home. He had reputation. And he was a good man. Think about that. It says in verse 2 that he was devout. He feared God. He offered up many alms and prayers continually. And he even prayed for the Jews. Now, he's not a Jew. I mean, this guy is doing all the right things, but he's not in covenant which lets me know that maybe God is preparing all kinds of people to align with us and form alliances with us that don't even know the God that we're serving. And so we need to give God some leeway to work in the way that only God can work. Amen? And, and so this guy's praying, and the, the angel in this vision tells him, your prayers and alms have ascended and created a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men. Now this is interesting. A memorial. Let me tell you what, let's break that down. So I'm just going to preach through this chapter. A memorial is something that is built and established right in the face of God's throne, to where he never can cease looking for it. And it doesn't say that his prayers created a memorial, and it doesn't say his giving of alms created a memorial. But it says his prayers and giving together established a memorial that God would never stop seeing. 
which leads me to believe that in these times that we live in, we don't need to shrink back in prayer or giving. Because those are the two things that if you put them together, establish memorials in the heavenlies that God can't take his vision off of. Come on. Come on. Are we in uncertain times? Do we not know what tomorrow is going to bring? We have no idea what's going to happen in our government, in our economy, in this pandemic, in, in the virus, the new viruses, blah, 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 blah. It's uncertain. And I am here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that you're not going to be able to follow your traditions of the past and navigate in the waters of the present. We're going to have to start doing things out of faith and out of the spirit that can create memorials, that can create God, that he can't rest on how things are. He's going to have to visit us in things like dreams, vision, trances, angels, doesn't matter. God has all the resources of the heavenlies. Are you guys happy about that? He is not limited to how he can reach us and get messages to us and bring breakthrough to us. And God's using a guy here out of covenant. So this vision, and then an angel, and he speaks to him, and he sends for a man named Simon, named Peter, who's staying with a guy down by the sea that's a tanner. So let's jump down to verse 9. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. It's noon. And it says he became hungry. He became hungry. I'm going I'm to emphasize that. He became hungry. He became hungry. How many of us are hungry? How many, how many are hungry? Come on. How many are hungry for revival? How many are hungry for awakening? How many are hungry for a great transformation in our culture? Come on. How many are desperate? for the glory of God to pour out. He became hungry in prayer. He became hungry in prayer. He became hungry in prayer. I was reminded today of several verses that stand out to me, and maybe one would be Isaiah 57, 15, where it says, God is the God who dwells in high and lofty heavens, but also in those who are lowly and contrite in spirit. Or Psalm Isaiah 66, 2, God loves those who tremble at his word. Or James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. One of the greatest ways to be humble is to be hungry. Come on, you guys. I was praying the other day, in fact, three days ago, and the Lord impressed on me that I'm not hungry enough. I'm not humble enough. I'm not meek enough. I'm not broken enough. I said, what do you want me to do? I don't even know what to do. He goes, perfect. You're right where I want you. This is where you'll know when I speak, because when you know what to do, you don't need me to speak. But when you don't know what to do, everything that I word become, everything that I speak becomes magnified. Come on, you guys. Somebody wave your hand at me when the Spirit speaks. Listen to me. And so he says to me, I want you to fast. I said, well, we already did the fast. He goes, I know. You're not hungry enough. I said, well, what do you want me to fast? He says, give up all food. Just drink liquids. I said, how long? 48 days. Why 48 days? I don't know, but I'm hungry. This is day three and I'm hungry. Come on, you guys. How hungry are we? How hungry are we? How hungry are we? He became hungry. Listen to this. And was desiring to eat. I wanted to eat this morning. 
But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance. Maybe God needs us to get hungry so he can start speaking to us supernaturally. Can I get an amen? Maybe God needs us not to be satisfied in everything except for him to where we can only be satisfied by him. He, he fell into this trance. Look at this. He fell into a trance and he saw the sky open and an object like a great sheet coming down lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth. Isn't that funny? He's hungry and he's seeing food. He's hungry and he's seeing meat. Isn't that amazing? He's hungry and he's seeing meat. And a voice says to him in this trance, get up and kill and eat. And Peter says, by no means, Lord, I have never eaten anything unholy or unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times. And then the sheet was taken back up into heaven. Just some observations. The sheet came out of heaven. The sheet came out of heaven. It didn't come up from hell. The sheet came out of heaven. And Peter saying, what's coming out of heaven is unclean. Peter saying, what's coming out of heaven is unclean. You understand when you read the law, especially Leviticus, that God called some things unclean. But don't you think the God who has the power to call some things unclean has the power to call things that he used to call unclean, clean? Is anybody glad that God has power in his word that things that used to be unclean, God can call clean? If that's not the case, all of us are doomed to hell. Come on, you guys. Aren't you glad that God has the power and the ability? He's the only one that can say that's unclean, but now it's clean. And who are we to judge God? Who are we to tell God how to be God? And I am reminded in my early days, come on, you guys, of being filled with the Spirit. I had so much zeal and I had so much passion. Man, I had so much little wisdom that I thought everybody that didn't have the experience like me, they didn't have the experience yet. And yet God is working with people from all kinds of different streams and all kinds of different pastures and all kinds of different traditions and all kinds of different tribes, tongues, nations. And the only experience that anybody needs is to have an encounter with the same God that I had my encounter with. I wish somebody would get happy. We're not even close to being done with this. I hope, the I hope the clock stops. I just want you to know that we're in a season where we're not going to be able to operate like we've operated in the, in the past. We're in a season where we're not going to be able to strategize and plan and come up with our plan and work a plan. We're in a season where God's going to have to reveal things to us by the Spirit, in the Spirit, through the Spirit, and we're going to have to walk by faith and not by sight. We're going to have to walk by revelation and not by sense. Come on. We're going to have to walk by following the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. You know, something that's just occurred to me on this third day of my fast is in the old covenant in Numbers 12, Moses was called the most meek, humble man on the planet. You guys get that? Moses? How come we don't ever talk about him being the most meek, weak, humble man on the planet? We talk about him being the great deliverer, the signs and wonders guy, the guy who could command elements to change. And yet, what was his secret? Humble, broken, hungry, 
He was the most humble, meek, broken man on the earth until Jesus showed up. <laughs> I wish somebody was hungry. You might get a vision in a trance and have your whole world rocked if you got hungry enough. I'm trying to give you an invitation to get hungry. Hungry for God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness sake. He won't keep you hungry. He'll let you be filled over and over and over and over again. Hmm. Verse 17. Now, while P Peter was greatly perplexed, <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing. Does anybody feel right now where you're at in your life? You don't know what you're doing besides me. Does anybody have enough honesty to say, I really don't know what I'm doing. I thought I used to know, but now I don't. I mean, I think I know, but I really don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's when God can get the most glory, when he uses you and you don't know what the next step is, but you're relying on him for directions for each step and each moment, moment by moment by moment. Come on, you guys. I think that's when God gets the most glory. I think about my team right now, you guys. Dan Ketchum wants to be taking two trips a year with people to the Holy Land to let them walk where Jesus walked. We can't plan hardly anything. We don't know how to plan. Terry and Melissa are doing something they never dreamed they'd be doing. Jay and Judy are on a ranch. Come on, you guys. Rob and Cindy are, Rob's having to write more than trap. We don't even have a clue what we're doing. Whoa! We must be right where God wants us. Man, this is the quietest crowd I've ever preached to. Peter's greatly perplexed in his mind as to what the vision which he had seen might behold. The men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked direction for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. And calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was reflecting on the vision... The Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Can I tell you, this, this reminds me of several things. Did you know that in your uncertainty and you're searching for direction and you're trying to find what God has for you in the season that you're in before his return, did you know that when you're just walking by faith and you don't know what to do except you're doing the last thing he told you to do, that God is always working the other side of the mountain that you can't see. I thought of a couple little things. Number one, remember when Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was close and so he ran ahead and climbed up in a tree? Remember that? You guys remember that? And it says, when Jesus came to the spot, did you know that spot was handpicked by God before the foundation of the earth for Jesus to have an encounter with a guy named Zacchaeus? And I wanna take it even farther. You know, trees don't grow very well in that area unless the seed's been brought by a bird and a bird drops it out of the air. So, so God planned some 40 years earlier to have a bird eat a seed and fly and drop a seed and plant a tree. It didn't get trampled down because this was a tree by a pathway that would have been trampled down unless God would have preserved it. And over 30 or 40 years, God drew a tree big enough that a little guy named Zacchaeus could climb up in and try to keep himself from being seen 
so Jesus could come to a spot that was preordained before the foundation of the world so he could have an encounter with Zacchaeus and salvation could come to a guy that everybody despised. Come on! And history is rewritten because when you don't know what you're doing, God always knows what he's doing. I wish somebody was happy. I think about this one. Remember when Abraham was asked to give his child as a sacrifice? His child of promise! He waited over 130 years. Come on, he's got an old boy now that can overtake him. And God says, I want you to kill him. Abraham doesn't know what he's doing. He knows he heard from God or he wouldn't be going. And he's climbing the mountain, right? He's climbing the mountain, right? And at the exact same time, for some strange reason, God has a ram climbing the other side of the mountain. You guys get that? If you do a Google search on those rams, that mountain where God laid down his boy was too high for the rams to go. They don't go there unless God is moving them where they don't know what they're doing either. Did you know sometimes your greatest breakthroughs are tied to someone else besides you having to live in what they don't have a clue what they're doing either? Abraham gets to the top of the mountain, and all of a sudden there's a ram caught in a thicket. It wasn't dead, so it hadn't starved to death, so it was a fresh ram. I wonder how God orchestrates this. Hmm. Let's, keep, let's keep reading. Huh. Behold, the three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. See, God knows Peter doesn't have a clue what's going on. He doesn't have a clue why in the world these Gentiles would be coming to him because Peter's tradition says, I can't hang out with them. I can't rub shoulders with these guys. They're not in covenant. And I'm thinking about my upbringing as a Nazarene. Is there anybody on this Zoom call that's a Nazarene? If you raise your hand. There's about six of you. Well, good. So maybe some of you aren't. I was raised where you can't rub shoulders too much with, you know, those reformed people because they say once saved, always saved. And that's a dangerous doctrine of demons. And I was raised, you got to stay away from those charismatics because tongues is of the devil. And I was raised that Catholics are just a cult. And I was, you know, I was raised, I was raised, I was raised with all these traditions. And what if when I was raised, the culture that I was raised in was never hungry enough to hear that God wants us to work with all different streams and all different tribes and all different tongues and all different nations. I'm just thinking this morning as I was reading this chapter and the reason why I had you read it, Melissa, is because I wanted to save my strength to preach. I didn't want to read. <laughs> I'm hungry, but I'm so satisfied. You see, I have a goal. I want to be more humble so I can become like Jesus, so I could actually start loving like Jesus. I don't want to love like Jesus when I'm thinking about it. I want to love like Jesus because it's my nature. And I want to be broken. And I want to be in a place where I don't know what to do. It's interesting, you guys, since I got to this place in the last year that I don't know what I'm doing, God has set up these alliances with all these people that I used to 
be told don't be around. And now they're the ones that I'm forming alliances with. And I'm having more fun and more excitement and more joy ministering with people that I was taught being raised that you should avoid. And they're the ones that God's been bringing up the opposite side of the mountain that I'm trying to walk by faith. And we keep meeting at the top. It's unbelievable how God brings these people together. I wish somebody would get excited today. I mean, he's perplexed, you guys. And listen, behold, I'm the one you're looking for. But what is the reason for which you have come? See, he doesn't know why they've come. And they really don't know why they've come. Then they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. So Peter, you're supposed to give us a message. And Peter's just hungry, not knowing what he's doing. He's trying to figure out what in the world is this sheet? What in the world is this voice telling me I'm supposed to eat things I've never eaten before? And I'm telling you guys, if you want to be prime pregnant with the message that will bring transformation to everybody in your sphere of influence, you need to be to a place where you don't have it all figured out. Come on. You need to be to a place where you really don't know what's going on, but your eyes are fixed on Jesus. You need to be at a place where you don't know which step to take next, except you know when he says it, you'll take it. You've got to get to a place that God can create you to be the message. Amen. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. Now the next day they got up and went away with them and some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied them. And on the following day, he entered Caesarea. I want to, I'm going to make a point. This word entered. Now, now Cornelius was waiting for them and he called together his relatives and close friends. Now listen to this. Cornelius is a guy out of covenant. He has no idea what it means to be filled with the spirit. He has no idea what it means to be a Christ follower. He just fears God. He likes to talk to God. He likes to give alms to the poor. He likes to pray for the Jews. Everything that's in God's heart, he likes to do out of covenant. And Peter's a guy in covenant now, and he don't know what he's doing. And Cornelius is inviting all of his relatives and friends, and he don't know what Peter's going to do. He just knows he's supposed to give a message. What a gathering. Wouldn't it be amazing if all you preachers would go to a room with a bunch of people that don't know what they're doing or even how they got there, but they know you're supposed to give them a message. Maybe that would be like a room of poor in spirit. Well, we don't have a clue, but our eyes are on Jesus and we know you're supposed to give us a message. So that's why we're here. That'd be better than, well, we got to go to church because it's 10 o'clock on Sunday. I think this is a season where God's trying to break every tradition that keeps us from transitioning to transformation. I don't mean break the traditions that break orthodoxy and good doctrine that follows the truth and the principles of the Bible. I mean the traditions of man that nullify and render the word of God powerless. I think we're in a season right now where God's trying to smash the idols of religious idolatry and everything we thought we knew so that we now can get out of our mind and into the mind of Christ. I'm preaching pretty good, you guys. Whether you think I am or not, I am really preaching good. So huh, he walked into the entrance when Peter entered. Now listen to this. Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshiped him. Now this is an interesting thing. The guy that Peter calls unclean is worshiping him. 
What does that remind you of? Does that remind you of the Syrophoenician woman? Remember her in Matthew 15 or Mark 7? Remember when Jesus was trying to stay hid and take a break and take some time off because he was tired from ministry? And somebody that he had told in, Ma in, in Matthew 10 that we can't minister to them because they're not clean yet. It's not time for us to go to the Gentiles yet. Remember she showed up? Remember that? And she won't take no for an answer and she can't be insulted and she falls at his feet and she worships him. Are you kidding me? And here's this man. Listen to this. This is the part that blows my mind. Cornelius isn't just some like street person that's unclean. Cornelius is a guy that has a hundred people that work for him and private, you know, assistants and, per and servants and a beautiful house and big relatives and everybody looks to him. He has a great reputation and he's the guy that Peter's been saying, he's unclean. I can't associate with him. And as soon as he walks through this gate, walks through this entrance, walks through this door, come on, walks through this portal. You see, there are times in our walk of faith that God draws us through times of uncertainty, times of stress, times of perplexing, times of like, Lord, search me. Why do I not see? How come I can't hear? And as long as we keep walking by faith, there's a moment in time where God takes us through these transition points. And then all of a sudden, the thing that we feared falls our feet are you kidding me peter was afraid to touch him and the guy's falling at his feet i love the next verse don't you guys love the next verse look what it says look at verse 26 but peter raised him up saying stand up i too am just a man whoa isn't it amazing what someone else's humility will do to your pride? I, I think I'll say that again. Isn't it amazing what someone else's humility will do to tear down your pride? Peter has been walking around. I can't touch the Gentiles. I can't touch the Charismatics. I can't touch the Baptists. I can't touch the Catholics. I can't. No, no, no. But when one of them falls at your feet in humility, whoa, get up here. I'm just like you. Isn't that amazing that how contagious humility is? You see, I think humility is the power of heaven on display in the earth. And I don't think you'll ever be content with who you are in Christ until you become content with walking in humility. Because humility is the greatest character of Christ. Because you can't love without an agenda unless you walk in humility. Come on, you guys. Peter says, get up here. I'm just like you. You know what this is? Check this out. It says in Psalms 24, verses 7 and 9, it says, lift up your gates. And then in verse 9, lift up your gates, you ancient doors. Let me, let me just propose something to you. All of you are a door. All of you are a gate. All of you are a transition for someone else's transformation. All are you, listen, all are you are an entrance for someone else's expansion. All are you a door for someone else's destiny. All are you are a gate for someone else's growth. You get, you get the picture. Every one of you is a door. You know why? Because the door lives in you. Jesus said in John 10, I'm the door. And so now listen to this. Cornelius, a door, and Peter, a door, have met at a door. <laughs> Must be something good going to happen. 
And these people, I want you to think with me right now. I want you to think with me right now, brothers and sisters, listen to me. These people that God has been bringing into your life in this season of uncertainty and not really knowing what's next, because we don't have a clue because our eyes are on Jesus and he won't reveal things to us 10 years from now. He doesn't give us past daily bread. He wants us to live by faith every day. Without faith, he can't please him. He won't give you a three-month or a three-year or a 30-year strategy. He gives you a one-day plan because it makes you stay in faith, and it makes you stay weak, and it makes you stay vulnerable where you have to rely on Jesus, and you never lean on your own understanding because in all your ways, you have to keep acknowledging him, and he keeps directing your paths. Amen? Come on. So we, so we have a door, meeting a door at a door, and the first thing that happens is humility becomes normal, and pride flies out the window. Because we're at this moment where if we'll let go of our traditions, God can change our trajectory and take us into great transition and transformation. Come on, you guys. If we let go of our fears of not having it all planned out, God can turn a gate into this expansion and explosion of growth. God can turn an entrance into this great expansion and enlargement of what he wants to use us to, to bring his purposes and his name and his glory to the earth. Are you guys getting this? Are you guys getting this? Cornelius was someone that Peter says, I can't even associate with them. And he's the guy that's bringing Peter out of his pride. We need each other. Brothers and sisters, you need everybody else. You don't, can't do it alone. We need each other to become one in the spirit. How will our cities ever change when we have 30 churches instead of one? Come on. How will we ever see revival as long as we don't become one. Peter raised him up. Stand up. And as he talked with him, he entered. So in verse 24, he entered. In verse 25, he entered. In verse 27, he entered. There's an entrance. There's a time. And as he entered in verse 27, many people assembled. And Peter doesn't know what to say. Look what Peter says to this big crowd that doesn't even know why they're there, except they know that God told Cornelius or some guy down by the sea that's going to give us a message. Who operates that way? I'm beginning to become comfortable with that. I never thought I'd say that. There was a time that I had four years of meetings slated in front of me. I don't have one meeting slated except for next week. I don't have a clue. You guys don't get it. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. But I know I got a message. And it's not from Dan. It's from the one I'm hungry for. The message is from the one I'm hungry and thirsty for. And the more I'm hungry and thirsty, the more he keeps filling me to where I feel like I'm going to explode. I feel like I'm going to explode. Do you guys get this? And so look, look what he says. He says to them, you, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for me, a man who is a Jew, to associate with a foreigner or visit him. And yet God has shown me 
that I should not call any man unclean or unholy. You know, it's not enough sometimes to get a trance and have a vision and get a sheet and have an angel. Sometimes it takes the one you've been afraid of, along with all those things, to break down your walls so we can stop thinking we got it all and start realizing we need each other. Did you guys know that God's great desire is that he would be known by all men? Did you know that? Did you know what, what's on Jesus' heart right now is he wants everybody on the planet to know him? Did you know no one on the planet will ever know him like he wants them to unless they know him through the body of Christ that's just like him? Are you guys getting what I'm saying? His grand design is to lead us all into uncertainty and not really knowing what we're to do so he can lead us to these portals, to these gates, to these entrances, to these doors, so that expansion and growth and all this stuff can take place. Why? Not for our edification. So the body of Christ, the body of Messiah, the body of Yeshua can come together and start looking just like him. His desire from heaven is that the world would see him through us as him. He has a lot of walls to tear down. You guys get it? He doesn't want us to be, well, we're the Nazarenes and we're the Baptists and we're the care. He doesn't want that. We're the Christ followers. Come and follow us because we're following him. Come on, you guys. That is why I came. Listen, that, that is why I came, even without raising any objection when I was sent for. So I asked, for what reason have you sent me? Peter still doesn't have a clue what he's doing there. You guys get it? He doesn't have a clue. It's not on his slate. He was hungry in a trance and saw a sheet and somebody knocked at his door and the spirit said, go with them. And so he knows he's in a room with people he never would associate with. And so he looks at him and says, can you guys tell me why you had me here? This whole story makes the old Dan itch. This whole story makes the old Dan uncomfortable. But this whole story is starting to make sense to the new Dan. Because God's getting ready to pour out new wine. And it's going to be in totally different wineskins than we've been used to. Are you guys with me, church? Come on. It's going to be in totally different skins. So, so what does he do? He's in a big room. Cornelius is a simple bunch of friends and family. And what, what does Peter do? He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know why he's there. He, he just got done hugging and embracing a Gentile, someone who's not even in covenant, somebody he thought is unclean, but God showed him he can clean anybody. Come on. What does Peter do? I think it's obvious in verse 34. Look what it says, opening his mouth. <laughs> Peter started talking. <laughs> you know what Peter did? He did what he did. That's what he does. Peter's a talker. Have you noticed that? I mean, and Peter's the guy in, in Matthew 16, you know, on this rock, I'll build my church, Peter, because you're getting it. You're saying the right things. Come on. 
here's a guy, even if all others forsake you, I'll die for you. I mean, he knows how to say the right things, right? He's a good talker. Peter's the guy in Acts chapter 2 that preaches like a 30-second sermon, and 3,000 people want to believe because their hearts are cut open by the word that he speaks. What does Peter do? He just talks. Come on, you guys. What does Cornelius do? He prays and gives alms and runs a cohort in the Italian infantry. Come on, in the Roman Empire. They do what they do, and God can use what you do. You don't, I don't need to be like Dr. Mike. I don't need to be like Kim. I don't need to be like Melissa. I don't have to be like, like Nikki or Don or Betty. I got to do what I do, and you got to do what you do, because unless we start doing what God has designed us to do, we're never going to see the glory that he wants us to see and walk in. Come on, Mary. I don't have horses. I don't have your ministry. You do what you do, Mary. Come on, Scott. I'm not over there in Kentucky yet, but I'm going to come see you one day soon. You do what you do, Scott. You never know the door you may bump into today. If you'll just do what you do, I wish you guys could see the potential in just being you. I wish if we could be content in who we are, God could lead us to the person that's trying to be content in who they are, and all of a sudden it creates a door that explodes into opportunity. Come on, you guys. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? Several months ago, God told Melissa, I want you to start a prayer room. You guys get this. You guys understand prayer room, a prayer room. What do you want us to do? We want you to pray and sing, worship. Well, how do we do it? I don't know. I'll show you. Well, God, this isn't like a church with a lot of resource. I know. I mean, on a good day, there's 40 people. I know. How are we going to? Don't worry about it. I'll lead you one day at a time. Do you think when God told Melissa to start a prayer room that she'd end up being a pastor? Are you kidding? She, she walked through a door when God led her to an uncertain place of how do I do a prayer room? And now she's walked through a door of an uncertain place of how do I be a pastor? Who knows what the next door is? I, can I just tell you guys how exciting it is to live not knowing what the next step is? See, this, this, this flies in the face of all leadership seminars. Because the greatest leaders are the ones who follow the best. Greatest leaders are the ones who follow the best. What what Peter do? He started talking. <laughs> and, some, and something happened, you guys, that had never happened again. And this is the first time this happened in the Bible. Are you ready for this? This is the first time that this happened in the Bible. Nobody laid hands. Nobody got out oil. Nobody did nothing. As Peter was talking, look what happened, you guys. Look at verse 44. While Peter was still talking words, these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. I'm going to say it again. The Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening to the message. The Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening to the message. Who was listening to the message? 
people that were asked by someone they trusted to come to a room that they didn't know what they were going for, but they knew that somebody had a message. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Who's going to hear our message? People that don't know what they're doing, except they know God's the message and God's the answer. And we got to get more of him. And we got to find the people that we see him moving in. We got to find the people that we see him working in. We've got to take our eyes off the thing that makes us comfortable and get to the thing that makes him comfortable. I, I want to propose to you that the Holy Spirit's falling on all of you right now because you thought enough and you wanted enough to get on this call. Think about it. There's 47 people on this call. The invitation went out to almost 300 people and 47 people wanted to hear this message. You guys know the spirit's falling on you. I feel his glory all over me. I'm just wrecked. I'm hearing the message too. And you know what happened? The gospel was opened up to the Gentiles. That was another first, by the way. Look, look what happened, you guys. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they were hearing them speak with tongues and, and exalting God. And then Peter answered, surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have never received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. What if you being a gate, you being a door, are one encounter away from something happening for the first time in people's lives that God's been waiting to get to? And he's been waiting to use people that don't have a clue what they're doing, except they know they're following him. What if we're on the precipice to the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost power that we've ever known on this planet? And it's going to be through people who say, I don't know why I'm here. You guys, I'm going, I'm going to two services next week. I don't have a clue how I got there. I don't have a clue. I just know when I get there, God's going to be waiting on me. And there'll be a bunch of gates and doors show up because I'm a gate and I'm a door. I've got something that people need. I can lead people through transformation and people that I'm going to minister to have something that I need. And they can lead me through transformation. But the beauty of it is when gates and doors come together, we always come together to, to meet the original door. Are you guys with me? So I'd like to pray. I think I'm done preaching. 50 minutes is too long, but I was full this morning. It's, am it's amazing how full you can get when you're hungry. It's amazing how full you can get when you're hungry. So, Father, I just ask that you'd fall on everybody that hears this message. Don't let them look down and say, well, I got nothing to offer. Let them know that you created them to be a door, a point of access, a gateway, an entrance, a threshold. You put everything in them that they need for life and godliness. You didn't hold nothing back. And you've been waiting on the people to walk in humility and broken and desperate need 
for you. That's what you've been waiting on. So I just want you to fall on everybody, God. When you fall on people, things change. I want you to fall. I want your glory to wreck us. I'd like us to be so consumed and so filled and so intoxicated with you that we're never the same, that we never recover. So Holy Spirit, I pray a blessing over everybody that's heard this message. Let them know it's okay to not know where they're going. Let them know it's okay to not know what they're doing. Let them know it's okay to align with people that they've been taught not to. Let them know that as long as their heart's desire is to glorify you, they're going to lead people into encounters that enlarge the kingdom and bring revival to the nations. Let them know, God. Let them know, God. I pray you draw us all into a lifestyle of living the supernatural naturally. What a concept of not relying on what we can see, touch, hear, or smell, but relying on the God that lives inside of us and is speaking constantly. So I bless these men and women for wanting to hear a message. They didn't know why they got on here, God. They're just following you. But they're glad they did. I'm glad you brought them. I bless them with greater hunger, greater desperation, greater humility, greater brokenness, greater vulnerability. I bless them with greater contentment so they won't try to be like me or anybody else on the Zoom. They'll be themselves and they'll be comfortable in their own skin. And if they could just do what they do, there's a potential that you could fall on everybody that hears them and whole new areas of the kingdom will be birthed if we just do what we do in the uncertain, unknown walk of faith. So thank you, Jesus, for Acts 10. I'll never be the same. I love you, Jesus. Papa Jim, you got anything you'd like to say? Yes, I, I'm sitting here stunned in my mind for all of a sudden God is showing me what he's been telling me for years, that he has to repackage the message for the end time revival. And I'm hearing the message as it's being repackaged and retaught given and filtered out to those that he has chosen as the treasured ones that he can trust with something that's heavenly. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for shocking an old man to realize you're doing it. You're doing it. You have a plan. And you've always included those that would listen and follow and trust you. And I thank you for today. 
let it latch a hold, let the truth, let the simplicity, but let the greatness of what's happening be a part of our thinking, a part of our faith, a part of our belief, and a part of our vision as we approach these days, these important days. And it seems like you have anointed and placed and given Danny a place where he is teachable, he is listening, he's fearful but fearless, and God is reaching our hearts with truth. Thank you, Father. My heart is bursting today. Thank you for the realization, the revelation, the possibility of one, two words we wrote down, a portal to progress. That's what is open before this crowd, a portal to progress into the great, great influx of those that you're trying to reach, those that will hear this message from every tribe, every belief, every background, everywhere. Thank you, Father. This is a great day. Hallelujah. Amen.